The following sermon was delivered during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is our guest preacher for today's service. Today, we welcome back to our pulpit someone truly special, the Reverend Dr. Patty Kitchen. Most of you will remember Patty first spent the summer with us in 2017 when Associate Pastor Kate was on sabbatical, but she's been in and around our community since then. Not only are we fortunate enough to have Patty as one of our parish associates, she'll be preaching twice this summer, once this morning, of course, and then again on August 25th. Let's give Patty a warm Fifth Avenue welcome. sure feels good to be home. Please pray with me. We are here to hear your life-affecting word, O Christ. We are here to hear your healing and challenging words. Speak to us, shape us by the creative power of your Holy Spirit. Grant us courage, grant us your tireless imagination, Grant us your will-not-give-up hope. Amen. Our first lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Our second lesson today comes from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17, verses 31 through 45 and 48 through 50. You get to hear two voices because it's a little long. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you were not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you were just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, 
since he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then David took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Goliath came on and drew near to David, and with his shield-bearer in front of him, it was two against one. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to him, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone striking down the Philistine and killing him. There was no sword in David's hand. This is the word of God for the people of God. Giant slayers sometimes appear young in sandals with a slingshot in their pocket. Sometimes they are young in high school in Parkland, Pakistan, Sweden, or New York. Sometimes they are middle-aged, dressed in high heels and an apron. Sometimes giant slayers sit beside us or hold us in their arms and strengthen us when we are weary to help eradicate hate with God's stubborn love. Today's sermon will be a homily shorter. I'm mindful of the Women's World Cup final, but that's not why. It will be more pastoral, I hope, because I think our world is tired. Tired of dissension, pretense, and cruelty 
It is time for us to pray for God's imagination to help us rock this world with love. FAPC is doing that right now in partnership with St. Patrick's and St. Thomas to crowdsource. I'd never heard of a church crowdsourcing before, creating the City Street Survival Fund. There's only $5,000 left to meet a $55,000 goal to strengthen the homeless of our city with dignity, with service, with love. It sounds like I'm a fundraiser, but I'm a love raiser. And we can do this. Look on the website today. For you see, it was not so much what the small shepherd did to Goliath, toppling his giant body with one strategic stone, but that the shepherd did something, something unexpected, courageous, and focused. It is a story of part God and part guts. It is a story of what happens when we are stirred within and take action. Many years ago, just across town at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, the legendary preacher Paul Scherer said, if this vision we have of God does not move and drive and pull and tug and wrench and twist and hold and stride and walk off grimly after him, it is nothing. We stultify it when we use it as a solace and no more. We prostitute it when we hitch it to some private little enterprise against headaches. This is to take the power of God that swings the stars in their orbits and ask it to do nothing but the household chores. Last summer, Jan Ammons preached this first Samuel text asking, who are your giants? Her fine sermon leads us this morning to the question, now what are we going to do about the giants in our lives? What are we going to do about the giants abusing the vulnerable in our world? Bryce Courtenay, in his novel, The Power of One, created a young character akin to the shepherd David, small in stature yet mammoth in his dreams and determination. He is a South African boy named PK who dreamed of becoming the welterweight champion of the world. The novel is set in this boxing venue in the 1930s when PK is lost in a sea of ridicule and racism in a South African boarding school. He had been torn from his nanny at the age of five when his mother felt gravely ill. Isolation filled his youth until a teacher helped stir confidence within him. For young PK, it was the gradual discovery of what he called the power of one. One afternoon, a science professor named Doc turned to the boy and said, Yeah, PK, always in life, an idea starts small. It is only a sapling idea. But the vines will come, and they will try to choke your idea so it cannot grow, and it will die 
and you will never know you had a big idea, an idea so big it could have grown 30 meters through the dark canopy of leaves and touched the face of the sky. Doc looked at PK with his piercing blue eyes and continued, the vines are people who are afraid of originality, of new thinking. Many people you encounter will be vines, and when you are a young plant, they are dangerous. Always listen to yourself, PK. It is better to be wrong than simply to follow convention. If you are wrong, no matter, you have learned something, and you will grow stronger. But if you are right, just imagine. We are called to take risks for the sake of Christ, who risked everything for us from a cross. We are called to be truth-tellers, to break painful silences. We are called to be like copper pipes, conduits for God's vast imagination. In the township of Guguletu, it's outside Cape Town, South Africa, is one of God's unusual copper pipes. It is a church that since 1989 has been led by the indomitable Spiwo Sapali and his wife, Zaytu. Spiwo retired last year after transforming this congregation with never give up hope and tireless imagination. When Spiwo and his ministry were both young in the late 1980s, the HIV AIDS epidemic was ravenous in their township and no one would talk about it. Hundreds of people around the church and their community and neighborhoods were dying in fear and in shame. And so Spiewell's congregation began to give voice to the deafening silence of their township and began to welcome, to worship, to boldly love, and to care for those suffering and dying of this dreaded disease. And then, as no one else was doing, to bury them with dignity. The church quadrupled in size due to its honesty and its advocacy for all. They founded a clinic, a hospice, and orphan care in their township. They, they had a new pyramid made for the front of the pulpit. They had a large red AIDS ribbon and the words, J.L. Zwani Cares. When they expanded the church building, an artist painted above every exit, never give up. Spiwo's congregation became conduits of God's will not give up hope. They became wide open pipes of Christ's life-altering love. But there are times when the copper pipes of our lives get clogged or leak, and it's time to stop and do some repair, some cleaning out, to allow the spirit to move unimpeded through our lives. In our current era with such deep need for creative problem solving, 
how can we bring God's irrational love, God's humility and healing to a world hell-bent on harm? An art teacher once taught me to turn a photograph I was painting upside down so I would more accurately see the shapes rather than my preconceived notion of the photograph. God's job throughout history has been to give new shape, to worn out conventions and expectations, including that of an underdog named David. After 40 days of Goliath's arrogant threat, Saul was ready to try just about anything. But even Saul's response to David was, how can you fight this enormous, experienced soldier? You are just a boy. But finally Saul said, go, just go, and may the Lord be with you. He dressed David in massive armor, as we heard, and he tried to wear it, but he couldn't even walk. So David rid himself of the weight of the helmet, shield, armor, and sword, the weight of conventional security. As David departed, I suspect Saul slumped over in his chair, weary, afraid, puzzled. This boy was not a conventional soldier. David traded a sword for stones. He approached the giant and hurled the first stone from his leather slingshot with enough speed and accuracy to knock Goliath out with a depressed skull fracture. The imagination of God took a curious small boy and an arrogant, empty-hearted warrior and shocked the helmet off that giant's head. A smooth stone, a slingshot, and a child who knew something was wrong decided to do something about it, part God and part guts. But you know, the hero of 1 Samuel 17 is not a fearless shepherd. The hero of this old story is God's fearless imagination. A youth was stirred by the Holy Spirit and emboldened to act. It was God's intuitive, don't mess with my children, gut instinct at work. God's imagination will not be harnessed nor tamed. Saul lacked imagination. He was a man of resources and power, but in our text he was utterly lost lost in fear and uncertainty. So the small shepherd took action with a slingshot and a stone. Last month, Joe Harjo of the Muscogee Nation was designated our nation's new poet laureate, the first American Indian given this honor, a task to tell the truths of people long silenced. We must tell our truths. We must tell the truths of the gospel. Politeness has its place, but so 
does honesty. Restraint has its place, but so does courage. Before I was old enough to read the words of the story of Goliath's roaring and boasting and collapsing in death, I recall studying a small painting of the battle in a family Bible. At the time, I lived in a neighborhood in Dayton, Ohio, teeming with young children and a handful of boy bullies. One evening near sunset, in the midst of what felt like playful neighborhood taunting, the dinner bell rang, and I ran across the street toward home when my chubby little body was thrown to the ground, sat upon, and repeatedly punched by one of these big boys. My grandmother, caring for us that particular weekend, came running, and my grandmother never ran. She came running down the sidewalk in her high heels and apron, yelling at him, and she never raised her voice. She yelled at him, stop. And by golly, he stopped. I never did ask grandmother what spurred her to such uncharacteristic action. She was always quiet reserved, a little aloof. But every Easter, in her quiet, almost no-words way, she sent me a card with a cross or a child praying or the face of Jesus. Somehow, after my encounter with the bully, I came to believe that that is what happens That is what God does when giants dare to harm anyone who is vulnerable or from a different land or color or speaking a different language. God runs down the sidewalk in her high heels and apron and bellows to the bullies, stop. That is what God asks us to do, too. Amen. Now go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage and hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted and honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and provided a message of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you are in New York City, we invite you to visit our historic church and join us for worship. You will find our address worship calendar, and other information on our website, fapc.org. If you would like to help support this audio ministry, please text the dollar amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-2000.
8331. Again, that is the amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8331. Thank you and God bless.